welcome to the Zen Founder Podcast. This is a place where we have conversations about mental health and entrepreneurship. We have a pretty broad conceptualization of what mental health means, sometimes depression, anxiety, sometimes relationships or physical health. The goal here is to bring some calm into the crazy roller coaster of ups and downs that is life for many entrepreneurs. I'm your host, I'm Dr. Sherry Walling. I'm a clinical psychologist and an entrepreneur, married to an entrepreneur, live in the world of entrepreneurs, and I'm so pleased that you have joined us for this conversation. I'm watching the snow hit my window and thinking it's kind of unlikely that my plane is going to take off on time today. That's a bummer. We don't want a repeat of last week where you sat on the tarmac for, what, four hours trying to come down to microconf in Austin, eventually just went home. I just went home. I sat there for a long time, but the dramatic thing was that the plane attempted to take off and had to stop in the middle, which I've never seen before and frankly would really be fine to never see again. It was a little disconcerting to have a large airplane just slam on the brakes in the middle of a snowy tarmac. Yeah, that's crazy. And it's Minneapolis. Like we, we, We're good at snow. We do snow. This city knows how to do cold and snow. I've never heard of the airport closing except for last week. Wow. So bizarre. For those of you who are at MicroConf in Austin, I'm so sorry I missed you. I was trying to get there. It was a bummer. Hey, your audio, are you using a microphone or your AirPods? Because your audio sounds like AirPod mics. It says I'm using... My USB microphone. I don't know. Maybe it's the internet or something. Your audio is not as clear, but it should record fine in the cloud. (laughs) Your audio is not as, or it should record fine locally. Your audio is not as clear as I would expect. It is my first podcast episode. So maybe I just don't have the (laughs) first podcast. Is this episode 334? Something like that? Uh, Something like that. You don't count, do you? I don't keep count. But do I get to uh, do I get to count all the things I've guessed it on? Because that's at least another hundred, probably this year. Yeah, that's. I mean, it, yeah, I was I was just thinking the Zen Founder podcast itself is is like eight years old, seven, eight, seven or eight years old. I think it launched. We were trying to do the math. It's like 2014, 2015. You'd think I could just type into Google like Zen Founder podcast episode one and link to it and see the date, but it, it's not that simple. So. I'm sorry the internet is letting you down in that way. I know. But it's an OG podcast. Like it's been around a long time, especially now that kind of everyone and their cousin has a podcast. Thank you, COVID. And I love it. I mean, I love that the medium is taking off and that people are really into podcasts, but it it feels really noisy in podcast land right now, which kind of leads to the conversation that I want to have today. Part of December for me is doing like a pretty thorough reflection on the year that's passed. And then of course, doing some planning for the coming year. I kind of do that in December, January, depending on kind of how schedules create space, et cetera. And I've been doing just so much thinking about whether or not to continue doing the podcast. So I thought it might be helpful for us to talk through it because I know that other founders are certainly hopefully doing some year end review and some next year planning. And also, I think it's a common question to have the the thought process of, should I keep doing this particular piece of my business? So I'll, I'll just be the little case study for our conversation today because my question is about the podcast, but I, I know that you are really thoughtful about how to approach those questions. Well, thank you. I take that as a huge compliment coming from you. And these are very complicated questions where the answers are always 
It depends. And the answers are always, you're making hard decisions, semi-permanent, difficult decisions with incomplete information because you just don't know. If you do it, if you don't do it, if you keep doing it, you know, what's going to happen. So I know this is something you've been thinking about for a while. And I think that's kind of the first thing. Like if we were chatting and you said, give me advice on this, my first question would be, is this a permanent solution to a temporary problem? Like if, let's say you decide to stop doing the podcast as of January or to put it on hiatus to basically temporarily stop doing it. I would kind of want to know, like, how long have you been thinking about this? Is this a, a short reaction to something, you know, or a... Is it something that's been on your mind for months? Or sometimes, honestly, I've had friends who think about it for a year or two about stopping their podcast specifically because it is such a big decision. And it's a big decision because there's already a lot of time invested and it is an important part of my brand or kind of presence in the world. Certainly is a body of work that lends credibility. People often will introduce me as, you know, Sherry Walling, a clinical psychologist, host of the Zen Founder podcast. Like it, and because it's been around so long, it also is this timestamp of, hey, I've been thinking about and talking about entrepreneurial mental health since 2015, 2014, so wherever, wherever we played the first episode, but it's been a minute, right? I'm not like the new kid on the block who's like, hey, I've just discovered that mental health is important for business owners and I'd like to talk about it. Yeah, that's right. It is part of, this is a weird word, but it's part of your legacy already. And it will be, right? Because it will live on whether you continue to do it or not, or whether you take a, a six-month break or a year-long break and then come back to it, or, or whether you never do, it lives on. And people go back and listen. I heard someone talking on a podcast the other day that they had discovered the first hundred episodes of this podcast and were digging into it. And it, a lot of that is still as applicable today and will continue to be. It is a timeless body of work in a way that oftentimes blog posts are not. I found that a lot of my blog posts from 10 years did not age well, but yeah. So it, it is a big decision, right? Because it's such a part of your professional identity. I mean, honestly, it's what put you on the map in the founder space. Early on, it was your talks at MicroConf. And then you wanted to be more location independent. And you and I started talking about how to do that. And I remember I kept saying, oh, blogging, blogging's how I got started. And it's like, you're better on the microphone, you know, and that that really showed. So here's some of the, the rationale for why I'm considering not doing it anymore. One is to be completely honest, and I'll sort of apologize to the listeners. Like, I don't think I'm giving it my best creative energy. It often feels like, oh, this is a thing I need to do. What can I talk about? What's top of mind? And I've, I've banked some interviews that I have that I kind of sprinkle through, but I, I think I'll just confess, like it, it often feels like a little bit of a stress and a little bit of like a, ah, it's Thursday. I got to get something out. And it's not, it's not this sort of like lovely, juicy, creative energy that I experience in other parts of my life that I'm experiencing in writing or that, you know, I experience in sort of my aerial art life. And so, you know, I kind of confess that it, it feels a little thrown together sometimes. There's not a great intention or plan. I think the other part of that that has been problematic for me is I don't feel super connected to the audience. I don't have a great way to engage the audience around the podcast. So I feel a little like I'm talking to no one. I mean, I'll meet people in person and they'll say, oh, I heard you on the podcast talking about blah, blah, blah. So I know people are listening. I know y'all are out there, but mostly my fault. I just haven't created a system wherein I can have 
interaction with the humans. And so it feels a little like I'm speaking into the void. And that's what kind of leads me to wonder like, hey, is this a good use of time? Yeah, it makes it hard. It's The first point was it feels like an obligation and it's an obligation you don't necessarily love doing every week or don't necessarily feel like you have the time to give your best energy to. And then the lack of connection, I think is a that's a big one. I was trying to think why I feel connected to the startups for the rest of us audience. And it's number one, in-person events. It's going to microconfs and people coming up and giving me feedback or saying they liked an episode, whatever. And then I take listener questions. And so I hear constantly from people asking quite without that, I would feel the same way. So I totally get that. And you have thousands of listeners. We were just looking at the analytics. Like it's been pretty consistent. It doesn't appear to be growing, but it's also not declining. I'm not doing much to make it grow, right? I'm not, I don't promote it heavily. Like I don't, people who are doing podcasts now, I mean, you have this, you have the like snappy little videos that go on Instagram or go on uh, different social media. And I haven't chosen to invest in that way, which I think is again, leading to this kind of like mediocre feeling of, I know I'm not fueling it the way that I could if I was really getting after it. But I think one of the challenges that probably familiar to lots of listeners is these competing priorities. Obviously this last year I launched a book and that was my priority. That was like my social media attention. That was my thing that I was promoting and talking about. And obviously the podcast and the book are a little bit interrelated, but I don't have the resources to fuel growth on all fronts at the same time. And so I gave my attention to the book this year. I think the other thing that I've been doing that's leading to this sense of distraction is obviously I've been studying this sort of new field with psychedelics. And I I know that a lot of the Zen founder audience is like not that interested in that, but I'm spending a lot of time and learning on it, essentially getting another master's degree in that content. So it's kind of like where my brain is and it distracts me a little bit from the creative content that um, would fuel the podcast. But my day job is still working with founders. So like, I'm still totally in it. It's totally what I spend my time doing. But I think in my creative, reflective, idea generating time, I'm, you know, a little bit divided with this other topic. Yeah. And how long have you felt this way? About the podcast? Yeah. That it's an obligation, that you're not giving it your all, that you are pulled in too many directions. Honestly, I think when you stopped doing it with me, it was a little bit of like a gut punch of, I don't know if I fully have the like juice to fuel this by myself. And, you know, it's not your fault. But I think, again, when I was doing it with you, it was interactive. And so perhaps one of the solves for this is to bring on another co-host or to just get really creative. It's not the same to just do interviews. Like there's not the through line. It's not relational in the same way. I think it became less fun for me, even though I like doing solo episodes, it just became less fun when it was me alone. I could see that. And so that was years ago. That was probably three years ago, maybe four. So it's been a long time that you've had that feeling. I will also say that sometimes the decision feels complicated by the amount of grief and disruption that we've had in our lives. So you know how, you, you know, you don't make decisions under less than ideal circumstances. You don't make them when you're tired. You don't make them when you're stressed. You don't make them when you're in significant grief because your dad and brother died. So I've, I've held that space. 
and thought, oh, I don't know if I have super creative energy for this, but there's all these other things going on. So I don't know if it's because of the podcast or if it's confounded by these other variables. Well, and it's good to not make that permanent decision while you're in that state of duress, right? And there was such a, it, it does feel like things are a lot more calm now than they were historically. I mean, you've been talking to me about this for a while. So I hit the same thing with startups the rest of us, Mike and I did. And we had this huge lull. And there was a time when I just didn't care. I was just phoning. And we were both phoning it in. And you saw it. The numbers flatlined. And then even we saw declining listenership, which is very unusual for a podcast. Or in my experience, it's like if you're doing good work, like it just snowballs over time. And ultimately, I made the decision to either double down on it or shut it down. I was at the same crossroads in 2018 after I left Drip. And my decision was... If I'm going to keep doing microconf, if we're going to launch Tiny Seed, like the, obviously the podcast just, you know, Startups the Rest of Us fits into that and had to make a decision to like re-up and double down on it. And that's what it, it feels like this decision is like, you don't want it to keep going as it is with the Zen Founder podcast. It's either a take a break or double down. That's how I see it. That like if you double down on it and change something up dramatically and you threw out some ideas, got a co-host, whatever it is, got yourself in place to have the videos go on the social, you know, level up the game and, and make an effort to grow it, that's one option. The other option is to take a pause. And I keep saying take a pause. It's like, we, we don't know. Right. I think it's reasonable to take a sabbatical, right? You take a, you take a quarter off and I don't think you lose everyone in that time off. That's right. And like Derek Reimer left, he left Art of Product after doing it for, I don't even know, similar, like five, six years. And he thought about that for a very long time because it is such a, while it's not permanent, it feels, it is a, it's a big decision. And he initially took a three month break just to see how it felt. And he said, you know, it felt much better. I mean, really the two questions I think about are, what do you lose if you were to stop, just to say stop doing the podcast forever as a thought experiment? What do you lose? And are there other areas that maybe make up for those losses? You know, are there other things that replace the losses? Yeah, I think I lose a consistent outlet for the conversations that I think are important to be had around mental health and entrepreneurship. So there are fewer touch points in the world with that conversation, generally. And then for me, I lose the through line or the continuity with the audience. So even though I don't have a lot of interaction with them, they're out there, they're listening. It's two, 3,000 people. And so um, those are relationships that aren't being cultivated. Those are conversations that are not being had. And I think more generally, like when I look at someone who is a speaker or who is really active in a particular space, I look at their podcast and I definitely look at like when their last episode was and if they're consistent or like what the flow is like. So I, I lose a little bit of the sort of strength of my reputation around someone who's consistently engaging in the topic and is delivering new content and in, is investing in the conversation around entrepreneurial mental health. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Like consistent outlet, a through line and reputation of consistency. Do you think that you can replace those with writing or you've talked about potentially looking at YouTube, you know, as, as an outlet and the conversations we've had about that, just so like to catch people up is I've been trying to grow startups for the rest of us. It's just very hard. Like we are growing, but it's slow. Like podcasts, there is no growth hack. There is no virality. 
There's a lot of them. And even the good ones, you just kind of plot along. There's no growth hack to do it. On YouTube, which we embarked into with MicroConf about six or eight months ago, there are all types of growth. You know, I said growth hacks. I, there are ways to grow it. Like we are growing very, very fast. You know, we've grown from, I don't know, 8,000 to 33,000 subscribers in six months or something like that. And podcast subscribers are different than YouTube subscribers. I'll couch all that. Like the algorithm is, is pretty vicious. But all that said, as a potential, since you're good on, so good on camera anyways, and there's that viral ability, constant exposure to new audiences, like there is some advantage there. So that was a long, a long way of saying, like, do you feel like writing or other avenues could potentially replace that, the consistency, the through line, and even the, rep, the reputation? This is not a leading question, by the way. <laughs> I'm genuinely asking. Yeah. I mean, I think in a way, yes. So I've been writing really consistently, meaning... I write two newsletter articles a month and I write one column for Entrepreneur Magazine a month. And that's been consistent for the last, you know, for the last year. So there's a lot of, I'm doing a lot of writing. I've also been pitching other articles. So I had one come out in Slate. I've had three articles in Fortune this year. So there's space, but it's interesting because when you write those articles, at least for the ones that are not directly connected to me, to Fortune, to Entrepreneur, you still want to send your audience, you want to send the reader somewhere. And I send them to the podcast, right? That's, again, that's the through line. That's the deeper relationship. YouTube, however, feels like the best possible sort of replacement option in the sense that it is consistent. It's still content creation. It's very personal. You have this sort of interaction and relationship with the audience. It's a body of work. So many of the same things apply to YouTube as they do to podcasting. And of course, they can be double dipped, right? You can use your audio from a YouTube video and repurpose it as a podcast. So I think that is my curiosity moving into next year to really spend some time in Q1 trying my hand at YouTube, doing some reading, figuring out how it works, doing the experiment without maybe even totally making a decision about the podcast yet because I know I can repurpose and I don't know if I want to shut it down if I don't like being on YouTube. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. You might get three months in and realize this is too much of a grind. I don't like the topics, whatever. Because YouTube is a different, like I've tried to translate a podcast to YouTube and it doesn't, it doesn't work, or at least it didn't when we tried it. It's like you have to take a different approach in order to get, get growth. If you Look, you can throw a podcast episode up there. I mean, start up the rest of us does and it gets 50 listens for an episode. It just doesn't, the format is different. And so you may get three months in, six months in and just decide this isn't what I want to do, in which case, and that's the nice part is you don't, it's not like you delete the podcast feed, right? You leave the feed up, you'll probably have updates. You'll certainly can repurpose YouTube stuff. So the YouTube will solve a bunch of things, actually. If it works for you, it will grow. I think it's a new medium. I think you like new things. It will be fun to do video. There's so many positives and it gives you that through line. What it doesn't do is like you'll, I think, you'll mostly still be doing it solo, right? Yeah, it doesn't solve the relational problem. It doesn't solve the like conversational nature that I like to engage in when I'm thinking through content. And how would you say it it rates in terms of like audience interaction? Do you feel more connected to your YouTube audience than you do your podcast audience? Or is it sort of the same crew of people? It's a different crew of people. There's overlap, but it's like the Venn diagram is, you know, I don't know. 20% maybe if I were, I'm just making up numbers, but like 20, 30%. And then there, yeah, I mean, there's a huge chunk on YouTube that just don't listen to podcasts, which is really interesting. The difference for you will be that there are comments 
their likes and comments and view count on every episode. And I guess you already have view count, you have listen count, you know, with in Castos Analytics. But there's a ton, there's a lot of comments and interactions, and some of some of them are not very nice. And <laughs> YouTube is known for not, having, <laughs> yeah. But you don't get that on podcasts. Get ready for lots of comments about my appearance or my hair and all. Exactly, just all this stuff. Yeah, what I mean. And there's a skepticism, you know. I've I posted this 12 minute video about like how I bought Hittail and revamped it and grew it to thirty thousand a month and went through all these detailed stuff. And then there's like one of the comments is this guy's full of BS because I went to hittail.com and it doesn't exist. And I'm like, oh, bro, I, t- I said I sold it in 2015. They shut it down. You know what I mean? It's like this instant skepticism that I'm on the internet, so I'm lying. So you get stuff like that. But yeah, no, the comments, I think, will absolutely feel like interaction. I mean, we, we do get a lot of good questions and stuff. I still feel more probably connected to the podcast audience, but it's because of the in-person events and the listener questions. And since you, you, know, you don't necessarily have that all the time, I think you will absolutely have more interaction or feel like you're having more interactions with people. Well, if you are someone who has been listening to the podcast and you have a vote about this conversation, like I would actually super love to hear from you. What would you like to hear about? Would you like to continue hearing the podcast? Do you have a deep opinion about YouTube versus podcast? Yeah, if you want to weigh in, certainly DM me, tweet at me, email me, send a carrier pigeon, whatever. But I'm like very genuinely would be grateful for your feedback, comments, and thoughts uh, as I sort of think through this decision. You are at Sherry Walling on Twitter. And what I like about where we're leaving this is it absolutely feels like usually when I talk to founders and they're like, I'm thinking about a big pricing change, or I'm thinking about adding credit card or taking it away. How can we get more data? How can we dip our toe in the water without doing some irrevocable thing? And that's essentially what you've just said is you want to try YouTube. You want to dip your toe in the water, see how much you like it. And if it works, there's still options to do both by pulling the audio into here, which I think will work very well. We actually do that with MicroConf and people love it. Like it isn't a force. I think going the other way, like podcast audio to YouTube is forced and doesn't fit the format. The other direction has been successful for us. So this is a nice way to have maybe the you know best of both worlds, at least for a time and for you to experiment with it and gather more data. More data. I love data. Well, thank you for the conversation, Mr. Rob Walling. You are a wonderful resource as usual. Well, I thank you for having me on. It was great. And I am crossing my fingers that you are able to take off in an hour as or hour and a half, I guess, as planned on your aeroplane. Yeah, I'm leading a couple's retreat for entrepreneurial families in Los Angeles, which is not snowing, but I have to get there. Not snowing. Yeah. Well, it was great talking to you. Thanks for listening. We'll be back in two weeks with a new episode of the podcast. In the meantime, feel free to check out zenfounder.com for lots of resources about the kinds of conversations that we have on the podcast. You can get information about working with me, about maybe joining a Zen tribe. It's sort of like a mental health boot camp for entrepreneurs. We also have lots of content on our blog, links to resources in our courses and books for sale. So check us out there and we hope to provide anything and everything that you might need to make the entrepreneurial life a little bit easier.